Hey, what's up, guys? This is your boy, Shane Ahmad, and you're listening to the Halliburton Podcast Show. How y'all doing? It is Monday. It's Monday afternoon. It's, uh, I think it's May the 2nd, around about 12.48 p.m. in the afternoon, and I am here to talk about, what do you call it? The Bad Boys of L.A. So before we get into that, how are you? How are you doing today? How is how was your weekend? How has it been since the last time we've talked? Um, of course, like I said before, I can't hear you, but you can hear me. Um, I've been okay. Um, I've been dealing with this weird knee issue. I work a job where I stand up all day, and I think it's beginning to like like take a toll on me or whatnot, and I need to stop being stubborn and go to the doctor's office and get it looked at. There isn't any swelling or information, inflammation or discolorization at all. It's just that when I, you know, it's just, it's just sore and kind of gets stiff if it's not mobile for, you know, a few minutes or hours. So, so yes, this is getting kind of old. I'm getting kind of tired of it. And probably sometimes this this week, I'm going to actually book an appointment to go to the doctor's office and get it looked at. Um, I avoid the doctor like someone who doesn't have health insurance, and I do have health insurance. But you know, I guess as men, we don't really, you know, we don't really feel we don't really like the doctors too much, you know. So, but anyway, um, we're gonna get into this episode of the Bad Boys of LA, um, season one, episode seven. Let me tell you that this episode was so far probably was the best episode of the season so far. Um, it was a lot of different things going on, a lot of, uh, changes, a lot of, you know, you can see the energy shift a lot in this episode. Um, so let's go ahead and get into it. In this episode, first scene, you have Carry On and Milan. Um, they show the fight between those two where Milan calls Carry On a pussy bitch and said that he can't fight. Truth be told, every fight, fight that Carry On has got into on this show, he has got his ass whooped. Um, or he, or the other person has got the best of him. Like I said before, in the first fight that he got got into with uh, Moolah, and Moolah kind of beat him, and everyone everyone was saying, "Oh, that doesn't mean anything, you know. That doesn't mean you can't fight." And I'm like, I understand that, but the way that Carry On defended himself shows that he does not know how to fight. And ever since then, he's been getting his ass whooped. Um, you you go to you go try to fight big ass Milan, and then you get your ass beat. Like you run up on the guy. Someone who snuck you the night prior, you know, prior, you run up, you run up on the guy to fight him and you get in his face and jump at him like, like you're playing these stupid mind games, dude, you got your ass whooped again on national television. How, what an embarrassment. So, uh, yeah, um, the next scene, they show Gutter in the confessional and says he wants to move out and go live in an influence house and be a rich white woman. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Like, Gutter is basically saying, like, you know, I'm in here with these ghetto-ass bitches. I want to, you know, move on up. I want to be seen. I want to live lavish. I don't want to be fighting and doing all this kind of stuff. Like, let me go live in one of these influencer houses out there in L.A. where apparently that's a thing where a lot of these social media influencers, like, live in a house and... I guess to pay the rent for the house, or they get paid for you know doing their views or posting things, and they have to post a certain amount and getting a certain amount of views or whatever to keep their status as an influencer. So I guess that's a thing. 
um, going on now. Um, seems like a lot of pressure, but hey, that's the society we live in. High pressure everywhere. Um, so Gutter's like, you know, he wants to live in a house like that and, and live like a rich white woman. Well, you know what, Gutter? It probably would serve you better than this fucking house you're in now. With all these fight, you know, these fighting ghetto people don't know how to act. By the end of the day, the show is called Bad Boys of L.A. I mean, who's watching a show called Bad Boys of L.A. to see bad boys do good things? Like, you know, so I guess I guess it is what it is. Um, also, they show Rel and Carry On. Rel says Milan gave a fair opportunity to Carry On to, you know, hit him. And they should just resolve it. Um, basically, Rel is saying, like, hey, look. You had an opportunity to get back at Milan. He gave you the opportunity. You took it and did nothing with it. You can't fight. He whipped your ass. You need to just go ahead. You just need to just go ahead and move on with this. Y'all need to resolve this and just just let it go. Like y'all just just back and forth is stupid, especially since you can't even fight and all you do is run your mouth. Um, carry on. You know, tells Rail. He says, you know, he's getting in his head, and Rail tells him, like, you know, you're going to keep getting beat up. Um, and, and says that his dad is either laughing at Carry On or is ashamed of how he's acting. And he's true. You know, Carry On has this thing about, you know, wanting to get in people's heads and things like that and, you know, and be like the Joker. Like, you're so fixated on the Joker character from Batman to where you can't not really realize that that is a uh, fictional character. He's not real. You're in real life, dude, with real life people, real life emotion, and real life knuckles to your face, which you're getting because you're running your fucking mouth. You can't go on. Why would you play mind games with someone who doesn't give a fuck about you? Play mind games with yourself. Get on this show. Make your music. Be seen. Get your money. Go on to the next opportunity. Like you're playing these dumb mind games. And now look at you now. Here it is, May 2nd, 2022. You're in jail for like the last three weeks. Because you, you're stupid. You have the stupid mindset. And clearly he shows it here. I mean, I, I like Carry On. I think I can get along with him. But, you know, um, but on the show, he's just an idiot. I mean, who, who does anyone agree? Like, what are your what are your thoughts on Carry On so far, how he conducts himself and, and one, wanting to play mind games on people who beats him up? Like, do y'all feel that that's a, what do you call it, like, like his defense mechanism is acting like he can take punches and it's not affecting him and all this all this kind of stuff like that. Like I think it's stupid. I think he's too old for that. You do that in middle school or elementary school. When you're thirty in your mid thirties and you're getting beat up and you're enjoying it and playing mind games with people who are beating you up, you got some screws loose and you're a punk. You need to grow up, in my opinion. Um yeah, so that's to me that's just just a little a little nuts. Oh man, I got my notes written down here, y'all, and I don't went way too far. Like, oh my god, I lost my 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 setting on my notes. But um oh here we go. So with the next scene, we have Milan comes back down because you know, after the fight between Carrion and Milan, Milan decides to retreat upstairs where he has the camera crew and the producers following him. I guess he needs to cool off, things like that, which is kind of, you know, I understand because granted, the night before, Milan did sneak carry on while he was taking a picture with someone to fight him. But by that, you know, between the time of that fight and the fight with carry on, you know, trying to get at Milan, 
Milan has realized that Carrion is crazy or has mental issues and he doesn't want to fight the guy. But, you know, at the same time, he's still going to defend himself. So he needed to walk away and just kind of cool off. Which I, I mean, so I give it to him. This is getting kind of old. Like, you know, this is going nowhere. You do a dumb fight. And then this guy who's free of fighting came to fight. Um, so Moolah, you know, is kind of getting upset with everything. And he tries to get everybody a pip talk. You know, with his New York voice and all this kind of stuff like that. And, you know, you got, you got a little skinny man here trying to, like, you know, amp up on people and, you know, give them a pep talk and trying to cool them down and, you know, in this kind of aggressive New Yorkish way of doing things, you know, you know, uh, of the way he does stuff. And uh, I want to say so bad, <laughs> Moolah, dude, have you seen the types of people who live in this house with you? These are punks. They don't give a fuck about pep talks. They like drama. They like drama. They're born for drama. This is what they do. You, you, but unfortunately, you haven't, you don't, you don't know that yet. Punks, a, a house full of punks, they like drama, they like sex, they like drugs, and alcohol. That's it. They don't give a damn about being pep, peppy and and all motivated and stuff like that. It's all about drama. And if you can get money in between of that of the drama, then it's good. But you're not gonna have a, you know, a house full of punks. And everybody get along and be all nice and shit. They're not doing that. So, Moolah, you need to just get a grip and just sit back and just chill and collect your fucking paycheck, to be honest. Um, and then, then Moolah decides to go get Carrion and Rail and shuts down their little conversation that Carrion and Rail is having and says they need, uh, they don't need all this TV time with all this stuff. Basically, Moolah was saying that he doesn't think that Rail needs to be going in checking on Carrion. And they're spending so much time on their issues between Carrion and Milan. Eddie just needs to go ahead and squash shit and move on. Kind of agree, but that's not what this show is about. And that's not the kind of people who's in the house. And Moolah, no one's afraid of you, dude. You know, no one's afraid of you. So, like, uh, but, you know, I guess Carrion and Rail. Well, Rail clearly wants to, get, you know, kind of get to the bottom of everything and get over with. So they decided to just leave that segment or whatever and listen to Moolah and go in the house or whatever um, where there's going to be a house meeting. Um, and Rel says they need to squash it again. When I say they, meaning uh, Carry On and Milan. Um, so, you know, Rel is, you know, giving, getting in, you know, talking about how they need to squash it and kind of giving his commentary on how he feels things will go. Moolah is tired of hearing it. You know, Moolah wants the camera camera as well so Moolah stands up in this meeting and says fuck all of that fuck all of that fuck all of that it says tension is in the house and everyone is great and calls everything in the house is weird from a person from a standpoint of of a viewer like me yeah there does seem to be tension in the house everything is weird um everybody does have you know clearly has talent in a certain segment of the world whether it's music, entertainment, rapping, acting, producing, you know, entrepreneurship type things. All these guys bring something to the table where none of these guys are bums, you know. So Moolah does have a point here. And he's like, there's too much tension in this house. And they need, you know, like, it's just weird. Like, like why are y'all getting along with that? But if y'all remember... Moolah is saying all this when you started off the house 
with drama with between you and Carry On wanting to know Carry On's sexuality. You basically outed this guy on national television, you know, to a person who just really did not want to be labeled gay or bisexual. He just wanted to be Carry On and whatever he did with his private parts is his business. So, Mulai, you kind of, you know, you're kind of being, what do you want to call it, like a hypocrite. You're talking about being positive. Everybody's great in the house. You've already got in a fight with motherfucker in the house. And you've already started off drama in the fucking house. And you always keep drama. It's, it's all about sexuality to you. Like, uh, Andrew Caldwell came on the show, took took photos with the cast, and quit. Will, Will the baddest, came on the show, realized this wasn't what he liked, and quit. Moolah, you don't like all this house full of gay dudes. And everything's about sexuality and showing how straight you are. I get, I mean, I get it, but man, if this is not your, 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 your lane, you need to get the fuck on, man. Nobody wants to hear this shit all the time. It, you know, like, come on, like, you know, if, if, they, if, if, they, if you always got to prove yourself, you need to get your ass up out of this house, get somebody else in here that's going to go and mix. Because clearly you're uncomfortable for whatever reason that is, I don't know. I mean, you got your boy Curtis over here who, you know, is allegedly straight, but, you know, he's not really kind of fixated on all these gay people and stuff like this. He's just being himself. But Moolah has to just, you know, put on this whole banner of, oh, I'm straight. No, 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 no. And all kinds of stuff like that. Man, nobody gives a fuck. If you're straight, you're straight. If, you, if you're gay, you're gay. No one gives a fuck, Moolah. You know, you, you think high, you think, you know, you think real high, my opinion. Um, and also in this meeting, Rose says that they both was wrong and need to apologize. <sighs> okay. Like, normally, guys, when I do this podcast, I give my thoughts on the show after I read, you know, read the review of the show. But I've learned that that just takes up too much time and then things get lost in context. So it's better for me to give my opinion on each segment as the segment goes by. This segment where Rel says they both was very wrong and need to apologize. At this point, I like Rel, but at this point, I'm kind of tired of him and I'm kind of looking at him as an instigator. And it's just kind of like, okay, man. You're trying to be the, the the voice whisperer of the fucking house, but you have no power and you have no uh, talent at doing that. You're getting nowhere with this, other than in keeping shit stirred up. Like, Milan doesn't give a fuck about Carry On. Carry On is too into his mind games to apologize. If they don't apologize, whatever, whatever, let, let it go. If they, until they kill each other, get kicked off the show, that's just what it is. You just should have just said, you know what, y'all? I'm not, I'm not involved with what y'all got going on. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm, it sucks that things have to be like this. But I'm here on this show for a specific reason. We have X, Y, and Z that we have to uh, focus on. And that's what I'm going to do. So the next time y'all fight and do this kind of stuff, that's between y'all. I got nothing to do with that. And that's what exactly what I would do. And if that means I have to go to a fashion show or a movie premiere or whatever it is that, you know, the producers have us set up for while Milan and Carry On is fighting. That's exactly what I'm going to do. Shit, y'all fight. I'm here to make money and be seen and to and to grow my brand, whatever, you know, whatever brand that is. I don't care about y'all fighting all the time. That's stupid. You know, so real, you know, just, you know, trying to get them apologized is just kind of like, it's like, okay, man, you begin to be an instigator. I mean, I know you're gay and a lot of gay people instigate and, and you know, you know, boost things up and all this kind of stuff like that. But it, it's getting annoying at this point. Um, so, but, you know, but it was shocking to see that Milan did apologize to everyone in the house for, uh, fighting carry on at the fashion show, you know, before the fashion show, 
um, and stuff like that. And little fake ass Anthony, uh, who has so much to say about Milan behind his back or on, on in the uh, confessionals, you know, tells you know tells Milan that he did feel offended that you know Milan was out there fighting, you know, at the before the fashion show, and but you know he accepted his apology. I I felt that that was like like slick fake. Like now the guy's apologizing. Now you want to tell him you was offended, but you accept the apology. You talk so much shit. Why don't you go to him and tell him like, hey man, you need to apologize for that, or I didn't like what you did, or whatever. Like you know, I don't know. I just I just don't I just don't care for Anthony. Um, I don't really care for Milan either, and I can see why. If you guys have noticed on social media lately, Milan has just been roasting the fuck out of Anthony about his lips and you know trying to say he has to use a breathe on his lips and his lips are infected with infected with something and posting pictures you know close up pictures of uh, uh, Anthony's lips or whatever like I said I'm not a big fan of Anthony it's something real fake about him so I I'm sorry I can't take up Anthony whatever happens to him just happens I'm sorry um so uh, they go to the next scene where Gutter brings up Milan's gifts. Um, you, as you guys know, Milan has a sex toy line where he has uh, dildos, um, sex, you know, like, you know, fake booties and fake vaginas, and they call it pocket pussy. And I feel weird saying that on my show because I I know there's a religious person lady who listens to the show and. I'm trying to offend her, but you know, hey, it is what it is. This is a podcast, and it's pretty real. And uh, yeah. so, anyway, Milan is, you know, you know, promoting his sex toy line, and he has gifts for everybody. He wants to give the straight guys the pocket pussy. He wants to give the gay guys the dildo and the fake booty hole. Uh, that's a replica, all all a replica of his body parts, which I found extremely weird. Can you guys imagine going to work and your coworker? has a sex toy line of their dick and their ass and they hand it to you so if you use you know if, you know if, if a person uses this you know that means this is a replica of your co-worker it, it, it's, it's 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 weird but I think the, the cast of this show just thought it was funny and just awkward it honestly made for good TV you know it made for a good a good segment and in Milan's you know situation it promoted his brand you know free free publicity you know um, so I get it. It's all business. You know, Milan's not speaker. He goes from fighting somebody to want to promote his, his, his stuff. Smart guy. Very smart guy. Um, also, Rail and Carrion are on the bed. And here, you know, he go Rail, you know, talking about the, the fight and stuff. I'm like, okay, Rail, can you for one shut up and let this shit go? Um, but anyway, Rail says that Carrion needs to stop antagonizing and carry on says why would he why would he hit Milan and get in trouble and says they will find out why he did that later on um I agree with rail uh carry on does antagonize people and has a lot of mouth and talks a whole lot of shit and can't back it up but but he also doesn't listen he's very stubborn and very stuck in his ways so if I was real I would just Shut up! Let him let him get his ass whooped. Let him learn his heart, learn himself. Because you know some people, you know how you know how old people say, um, 
hard a hard head make a soft behind or if you make or you make your if you make your bed hard you gotta lay in it like that's the kind of person uh carry on seems to me he just seems like he's gotta learn shit the hard way whatever um Milan is also giving out gifts. Okay, yeah, everyone's freaking out. Y'all already talked about that. Carrion says he's going to talk shit when he wants. Rel says he talks too much and fights less. Everyone in the world agrees. If you watch this show, you have to agree with what Rel says. But I guess Carrion feels that he's going to, he feels that he's winning because he's getting into people's heads. What's the end game into getting, getting into Milan's head for you? Like, like, where are you going to win? Like, he's beat your ass on TV. You're a son of a famous singer. And you're on TV getting your ass beat. And you're worrying about mind games. Poor guy. I mean, I love Kirk Franklin. I love gospel music. But I, I, I have got to say this. And maybe some of y'all can agree. But I'm looking at Kirk Franklin really weird now. Because this is how your son came out. Like, your son came out acting like this? And I know, you know, people say, well, you know, you can't necessarily blame all, you know, blame how a person comes out on the parents. But in a sense, a lot of times you can. Like, you can tell a person who had a good upbringing. This kid seemed like he probably got thrown to the wolves and had to defend for himself. And now, you know, Kurt Franklin has nothing to do with the guy. His firstborn son, you know. I, I don't know. Poor, that's a That's a bad situation there. I don't know. Um, so yeah, honestly, I kind of look at Kirk Franklin and his family, I mean, well, his wife, you know, and, you know, apparently Kirk Franklin's, uh, current wife is not Carrion's mother. Carrion's mother was, you know, before this wife of Kirk Franklin. But yeah, yeah, this, this guy seems like he's just been ignored and, and what do you call it? Um, um, yeah, he just seems like he just wasn't getting the love and attention that he needed. Do y'all agree with that? Does he does carry on seem like someone who was probably uh, neglected growing up mentally? Like his mental health just seems like it is just fragile and and all over the place. But anyway, enough with the fight with carry on and stuff like this. Here we go. Here's the big part of the show that everyone's been talking about. On social media, the producer the producers come in and they say that you know two people have left the house and that they're bringing a new person into the sh- into the show into the house. Um, so this new person, his name is Jonathan Wright from Dallas, Texas. He's a top hairstylist. Um, he's 23 years old and says he's fun and energetic and says he is the baddest. Um, prior to this show, I never heard of a Jonathan Wright in my life as far as a celebrity, anything. I don't know this guy. Didn't know anything about him other than, you know, uh, this show here and, you know, they're you know pr- promoting the show and promoting him and, I guess, promoting his fight to whatever. Um so, you know, he comes into the house. He clearly has a lot of energy about himself. And um, he's a big, large Texan from Dallas, Texas. And, you know, he the, one of the first things after meeting everybody and shaking hands and stuff, he wants to know where he's going to sleep, which I can 
I can understand you're going to be in this house. You, you know, you need to go ahead and get your stuff settled in. So John, uh, Jonathan wants to find his room and carry on calls him a Texas tornado. Um, every time T- carry on says that, you know, if anyone knows me, I'm a wrestling fan. Um, there was a pro wrestler in the nineties called the Texas tornado. And he was a big, burly, muscular, uh, tan white guy from Texas and it was just known to be wild and crazy and untamed, you know, you couldn't tame him. Like, no one can contain a tornado. So, um, Jonathan, you know, he's walking around the house, he's checking out the rooms in the house. The rooms are not good enough for him. I guess he's feeling that he's a top-tier, uh, castmate and that he needs the best. So, he realizes that Milan has the master bedroom and has like everything like has like two bathrooms or something or, or something in his in his bedroom or whatever and Jonathan wants Milan's big room and said that they should share and Milan wasn't having it Milan's like you know no we don't need to share um you, you we have other house rooms in the houses you can take but yeah I'm not I'm not sharing my room um and of course uh on the confessional they have they have a white vanilla, well, excuse me, vanilla ice cream white boy, Dylan, who talks so much shit on the confessionals about people, but on the show, he just sits and, and, and he's in the background with no kind of personality, he's just there on the show, and, and he throws shade to Jonathan and says, Milan is going to beat that big bitch ass. I guarantee you, Dilla would not have said that to Jonathan's face. I'm not gonna lie. I I just want to beat Dylan up myself. There's just something about him that's just so fucking weak. I want to beat Dylan's ass. And I want to beat any of the casting producers who cast this dude to be on the show. They need their ass beat as well. Like what? Like who the? Like you give this guy an opportunity to be on the show? I know there was other people on the show that was way better fit than this dude. God. Like, you know, he's sitting there smiling and enjoying the fact that Jonathan's here, but on the confessional, you're calling him a big bitch and he's gonna get his ass beat by my mind. <laughs> Jonathan looked like he's crazy. He's big, he's energetic, he's young, he's Texan, he's Texan, he's the biggest dude in the house. He's not gonna get his ass whooped. And he's coming in taking people's rooms and shit. Oh, yeah. Dylan, shut the fuck up. Is what my opinion was. Um, so, Jonathan goes in the room and says, it's our room. And Milan says, he don't share rooms with people he don't know and isn't fucking. He was like, uh-oh. They're playing a game of chess here. Got two big queens in the house wanting the big room. One got the room, but he ain't about to give it up. Know, he said, hey, if I'm not fucking you, if I don't know you, you're not going to share my room. Which I understand. To be quite honest with you. Because in in his defense, in Milan's defense, he was in that house already. Things have settled in. If you're new in a house, you can't come in telling people, it's not polite to come in telling people where you're going to sit and where you're going to sleep and all kinds of stuff like that and taking the stuff from other people, you know? 
truth be told, if anybody should have shared the room, maybe you know one of the other guys should have shared the room with Milan, and then Jonathan, you know, take a room, a room, or whatever. That still doesn't negate the fact that he can still be a big, you know, a, a huge addition to this show. Because we as viewers, we don't give a damn who sleeps well. We don't care about that. We want to see the show. Uh, truthfully, Jonathan could have kept the small, could have had the smallest room in the house and still been the biggest star on the show, and no one would have gave a damn. You know. But I guess you know that's you know that's part of the drama. That's part of the the what do you want to call it? Part of the storyline that uh, Jonathan wants to do. He wants to take the big room in the house. So it's smart and it's good for TV. And I get what he's doing. Um, let's see. Um, and Rel is kind of seen in the background when Milan and uh, Jonathan are talking about the room and stuff. And you can tell he's enjoying the drama. He even, he even admits it. You know, he is enjoying this drama here. Um, okay, I need to... Okay, I'm sorry guys, my notes are just all over the place. I need to get a notepad. Always bear with me. But yeah, so far this evening, I'm like, man, this Jonathan dude, I don't know who he is, but um, he he got a bold personality. He definitely got a bold personality. Um, and also, Jonathan is asking everyone, um, you know, asking about everyone, you know, he's kind of, you know, feeling everybody out, you know, introducing himself, figuring out, you know, things about everybody in the house. Um, and Jonathan just flat, flat out told everybody, he says, he does not like, like flame energy and asks who's the leader of the house. Milan says there's no leader. Gutter said that they gave Milan the big bedroom because he's the oldest. LOL. <laughs> oh my gosh. You guys, let me tell you. I have known Gutter K for the last few couple of years. Well, known known of him through his Instagram uh, stories because he does a lot of outlandish things on Instagram and he's funny and unfortunately you know he's done he does a lot of fighting which I'm surprised he's not the main one fighting in the house because Gutter was known to fight on his social media all the time even fight his friends um and if you guys go and go and look him up or go and YouTube him you'll see his fight so the fact that he's not fighting on the show is quite quite strange but he decides that I guess he wants to look you know pretty and throw slick shade and he threw slick ass shade to Milan um you know saying they gave him the house because he was the oldest in the house (laughs) he knew he knew what he was doing um so so at this point everybody's overall enjoying Jonathan you know you can kind of tell um Except for Moolah. Moolah is kind of standing over by the refrigerator behind everybody just feeling this guy out. And Jonathan asked him, he was like, hey, why are you quiet? And Moolah was like, you know, I'm trying to fill out your energy um, type thing. And and then Moolah confronts Jonathan for, um, you know, I guess at Milan has a radio show and had, was going to have Jonathan on the show for an interview. And Jonathan never showed up. So Mila, you know, wasn't, you know, I guess was feeling some kind of way, which I can kind of understand, you know, you know, um, I'm doing this podcast thing and get into this whole, whole world of, you know, 
being a creator, and I can understand that if you come up with some questions or if you schedule to do an interview with someone and they like no show on you, that is very disrespectful. And I can understand why Moolah may feel some kind of way about this guy. Um, but at the same time, you guys are both entrepreneurs. You guys are both, you know, both bosses. Unfortunately, you know, Jonathan doesn't really owe you really any explanation because he still will get his money and you're still getting your money, clearly. So, um, and he's, and then like John is a big punk. So, you know, don't expect much from him. You can't expect much from most punks. It just is what it is. I wish I was on the show. I would say, hey, look, Moolah, don't be worried about why Jonathan didn't show up to your radio show. He's a punk. They change. They're, they change like chameleons, like within minutes. Jonathan probably doesn't even know why he didn't show up. But anyway, so um, so Jonathan, you know, you know, basically, you know, was like, oh yeah, and you know, gave excuses why he didn't, you know, show up to the interview, or whatever. It did. I don't know if Jonathan necessarily apologized. It didn't show that part. It just it got kind of loud. Um. So yeah, yeah. So Jonathan was basically like, yeah, I don't really like doing interviews. I don't like live interviews and you know interviews on over, over the phone or on live chat or whatever. And I just didn't show up. Here's what it is. That's kind of how it came off. Um, but no one gives a damn. Sorry, Malah. No one gives a fuck. Anyway, um, so uh, Jonathan is asking, you know, like, you know, has anyone got into any fights in the house? Who's the first fight? And Moolah talks about he and Carrion, you know, getting into a fight. Um, it says, Carrion says he's balanced in his masculine and female energy. And and Jonathan at, uh, and Jonathan identifies as Jonathan and don't have to answer to anyone. So basically, when Moolah was telling Jonathan about why he and Carrion got into a fight for, you know, Carrion not really trying to disclose his sexual orientation or anything like that um, and giving these weird you know roundabout round the table answers to a direct question Jonathan said hey look I'm Jonathan I don't gotta explain nothing to nobody I'm not doing that it is what it is like nobody's gonna rule me and carry on slaps the table and laughs carry on is eating this Jonathan guy up cause Jonathan is being the person I think carry on wants to be but can't be and then, and, but in the be, but you know, I'm just kind of thinking, dude, this is exactly what you should have told Moolah and Curtis when they were trying to figure out your sexuality. Like, you don't got to explain shit to them. You know? It, it took a big punk, a huge, tall, big old punk to come in and uh, say that. Just, yeah, so, you know, so like, and then Moolah kind of had this look on his face, like, well, yeah, I'm like, yeah, like, you got this big ass. Gorilla, lion, bear. You're not about to tell this big ass bear what he is and not gonna do. You know what I'm saying? So I I like that Jonathan did that. To be quite honest with you. You know, like, hey look, what I do and it's none of your motherfucking business. Like back up. So I like that. Um so Jonathan is over the, the whole situation. He's focused on this room. So he goes back to the room where Milan says that he fought to have to get the room and says that he fought Anthony for that room and things like that. 
And Jonathan's like, yeah, I don't really care about that. I, I want the room, and Milan isn't having it. Jonathan either wants the entire room to himself, or he wants, or he's willing to share the room with Milan. I don't necessarily think it's really the room that Jonathan wants. I think it is the drama and camera time and storyline that Jonathan wants, and he's persistent with it. He knows that Milan, you know, is probably the most famous on the show, maybe, you know, the most well-established financially, um, you know, from being on Love and Hip Hop before and having all these other stuff that he's been doing, and feels that Milan is probably the, the top nigga in the house, you know, and Jonathan wants that spot. So if that means coming in, taking the room, that's what he has to do. I am over here loving it because Milan has been a ass to everybody on this show, and it feels good to see somebody come in and check him and put him, you know, on blast. Like, hey, look, yeah, I want this room. Especially someone bigger than him and wilder than him, you know. Jonathan looked like he'll be, he looked like he'll knock over your, his grandma. The grandma was moving too slow if he asked me, you know. So, uh, yeah. So this show is really getting interesting. Um, so they so they also showed Milan and Jonathan in, in like this big, huge master bedroom closet that is bigger than most people's rooms, bedrooms. They're in the closet where you see Rail, and John asks which side is which, and Milan isn't backing down. Jonathan's like, hey, look, this is a big ass closet. Like, which side is yours? You know, you, you you know, you're not taking up all the space in here. Let me put some of my stuff on this side. You put some of your stuff on that side. Milan doesn't like this. He doesn't. He doesn't want to share any of it. Um, and but you know, I, I see. I see what's going on. They're playing a chess match. You have, you know, the the top queen or king, or however Milan wants to be identified. You know, of the hill, and he doesn't want to give up any of his property, any of his territory. You have to fight for it, and it is what it is. That's how. It, that's how it goes in this world. Countries only fight wars for uh, land. Land and resources. Those are the only reason that wars are fought. Look at Russia. Russia is moving in on Ukraine at, at this moment, wanting to come in and take over. Take their land. They couldn't negotiate it, so they said, hey, look, we're coming and take it. So that's what's going on in the house here. Uh, John is like, okay, clearly you're not negotiating with me, so it looks like I'm about to take what I want. It's kind of annoying. It's kind of, you know, he's kind of coming off as a bully in a sense, but at the same time, this is Milan who we're talking to, who's been a bully in the house. It looks like he's met his match. He met someone who's not afraid of him and is telling him how things, how it is. Um, so, uh, so also they show, uh, they move to another scene where Curtis and uh, Dylan, Gutta, Rail, and Anthony are sitting at the table. I guess they're drinking and just talking, whatever. And Curtis, you know, admits that, you know, he is, he considers Gutta a friend. And Gutta, you know, he's never been around gay people like this before. So, you know, he, this, this is a new experience to him. Curtis has kind of changed his tune so far in, in episode seven than he was in with episode one and two, where he was kind of back in Moolah for, you know, bullying carry on in his sexuality but now it looks like you know Curtis is just kind of like you know get, you know it's comfortable in his thing he was like you know I'm not gay I don't do gay stuff but that doesn't mean I can't be cool with gay people 
and the gay people seem to accept him. Like, they're not trying to do gay stuff or trying to out him. They're cool with him being straight and they're respecting his straightness. And he's cool with them being gay. He's expecting their gayness. As long as, you know, there's no, you know, in between going on. And that's how it really should be. So Curtis is like, yeah, I mean, I consider him a friend or whatever. And, you know, I can tell that I thought that was pretty cool to be accepted um, by a straight person like that. Um, because a lot of straight, a lot of a lot of gays don't don't really get that opportunity. Um, so we're getting near near the end of the show where uh, Milan says that this is his room to Jonathan, and they're, you know, they're doing this back and forth about the room thing. And and but you know, Jonathan's like, you know, I'm gonna go back to the hotel, and that I will be back to claim the room. So basically, John was like, hey, look, I still got, I'm still booked for the hotel tonight. I'm gonna go to the hotel tonight. You enjoy the room, but you think about what I said because when I come back, I'm claiming this room. Like I'm gonna either take it from you or we're gonna share it. This is the room that I want and this is where I'm going to sleep and put my head down. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Um, and you can tell like this whole time that Jonathan comes in the house, well actually after the fight between Milan and Carrion, you can tell Milan, Milan is very calculated. When he gets calculated, he does he doesn't talk and he looks kind of constipated. If you guys ever notice. Like he looks real constipated and just looks like like he needs to sit on the toilet and just focus until he can push out whatever whatever's going on in his stomach that needs to get out. Like he just has this real constipated focused look. And I'm beginning to feel that when he has that look going on that his brain and his Mine is, you know, he's he's calculating something. Like he's trying to figure something out. So I'm like, oh, he's up to something. So Jonathan leaves the house, goes back to the hotel. Um, it shows a scene where Milan calls his friend Rio. I don't know what the hell Rio does. I never heard of this Rio guy until the show. I have to do some research on it. Um, uh, listening to Milan, I guess Rio is maybe a party promoter or a music person or a performer of some sort. And Milan asked him, he was like, hey, are you still in L.A.? And Rio says, yes, then I am in L.A., still in L.A. And uh, Milan is like, well, I'm, I'm throwing a party or I'm having a party um, at the house and I want to invite you over to the house. Now, I don't know whose party this is. Is this really going to be Milan's party or Anthony's party? Or is there going to be two different parties? I'm confused. Because Milan says it's his. And then the episode for next week, it shows where Anthony says it's his party. So I don't, I don't know what this is. And I don't think those two like each other enough to both throw parties. And being that Anthony is a party promoter, club owner, it would seem like Anthony would be the one to throw a party in the house, not Milan. But hey, these people are kind of whack and dumb, so I don't know. But anyway, so uh, he he invites Rel to the to the party, and um. He tells, not Rio, I'm sorry. He invites Rio to the party and tells Rio about this new Jonathan cat in the house and, and all this kind of stuff like that and says, and Milan says, hey, look, I've gotten to a fight with all these people in this house. I don't have an alliance. You know, basically, he doesn't feel like these people got his back. And he's basically calling Rio in for backup. I knew it. Didn't I say it? I, when Milan has this calculated, constipated look on his face, he is plotting. You know how I know this? Because he's a punk. You know, and I would say the F word, but you know, that maybe offends some people. He's a punk. 
So when a punk starts to get quiet and kind of calculating and stuff like this, oh, you better watch out because they're going to pull some tricks out their bag. So, yeah, get ready, John. He's pulling some tricks out of his bag. He's calling for backup. He already already done spot you. And plus, he's an old gay. Like, a lot of people give Milan hell from being old and fighting and stuff like this. But he is a smart, older gay, and he done figured out, oh, this big dude, you know, John just come in, he's going to start trying to take over, and he's very charismatic, he's not afraid of nothing and stuff like that, he's in my face, he's telling me what he's going to take and what he's not, and I'm not really used to that, so let me go, and then all these other people in this house don't like it anyway, so I feel like John thinking take over this house and have the alliance with everyone in the house, and then turn on me and whoop my ass, smart guy. But, uh, yeah, Milan, you're going to need more than one friend to take on this. So, um, so yeah, so it shows where, uh, you know, Rio was like, yeah, I'll come over to the house. I'll, like, back back you up, whatever, or, you know, help support you with whatever he's got going on because they're not going to, I'm not going to let them jump you or whatever. It's kind of like the vibe between this Rio dude and Milan. So, yeah, guys, that's the end of this episode of... Uh, Bad Boys of LA Season 1 Episode 7 This was a very good episode was my favorite episode of, of Overall um, uh, I don't know anything about this Jonathan Wright guy I kind of like the energy that he brings to the show But I kind of don't like it as well Because he just seems just Kind of bullyish But you know it's also kind of cool To see a bully a bigger bully come in and bully the bully. You know, meaning Milan getting his ass bullied. And as we saw, Carrion was loving every bit of this. You know, now they got he got somebody that he probably feels that could, you know, back him up or fight his wars or someone who who can beat all these people up who beat his ass. And maybe Carrion knew about this guy coming or something. I don't know. Because he was hinting towards, you know, there's more to come or more to see. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, this was a good episode here. This was a really good episode. Um, truthfully, they should have had Jonathan in from the beginning. Um, they wasted their time on the people they had on the show. Probably the William dude and Aunt Andrew Caldwell. Honestly, Dylan should have never been on the show. Anthony shouldn't have really been on the show. Um, yeah. But yeah, this is a good episode so far. Appreciate you guys for uh, listening to my podcast and... Um, stay tuned for the second half that I'm going to record and post up. Um, you guys have a great day. Talk to you later. Bye. All right. Thank you guys for joining me. Uh, Shane, I'm out on the Halliburton podcast. This is, uh, my second half of the podcast show. I plan not to keep you guys too long. Um, yeah, thank you for listening to the, to the show, of course. I really do appreciate it. Uh, my listeners are growing, and um, I'm coming up with new ideas and new concepts for more shows in the future and things like that. So uh, stay tuned and everything. But today, I want to talk about something um, that's been on my mind the last few days, um, and I wanted to talk about it. And the first was two topics. The first topic is um, parents who dismiss their children's emotional, mental, uh, physical, you know, uh, dispositions in life. Um, this story 
comes from, I was listening to this YouTube show called TGI Fridays, where they have host Claudia Jordan, Jordan, um, Ald Reynolds, and uh, Funky Dineva. They talk about hot topics and things like that. And one of the topics that day was um, talking about Willow Smith and her mother, um, Jada Pinkett Smith. And Willow, you know, just, you know, talks to, you know, talks about, you know, her depression growing up and the things she, she went through and she would go through her, mo- her mom and try to, you know, confide in her and her mom would, you know, kind of dismiss her and be like, hey, by the time I was your age, I went through X, Y, and Z. Yeah, you're too young. You'll get over it kind of thing. And I guess that kind of stuck with Willow and made her very sad and kind of, um, probably had this feeling of abandonment or something or whatever and you know I kind of you know related to um the feeling that Willow Smith had and while I was watching this show the TGIF TGIF Friday on YouTube um Funky Dineva who's one of the hosts on the show I I don't agree with everything he says but I do like him for the show um but in this in this particular uh segment he says that Willow Smith is too young to be going through anything and and XYZ and stuff like that and you know using that old person mentality of thinking that children can't go through stuff and I wish I was on this show to challenge uh, Funky.Neva on this because I would have said okay um, so what do you think about children who are in foster care what do you think about that child who is born from a mother who has been on drugs or smoking cigarettes or something like this and this kid comes out with you know fetal alcohol syndrome and is addicted to alcohol or drugs before he can even you know walk and this child is you know put into foster care or, or is adopted and, you know, they go through the foster care system and the adoption system all their life. And um, what about the kid who's been bullied, you know, from being, you know, too fat or too short or uh, having, you know, physical disabilities and things like that? What about that kid who's going through that? What about the kid who, who's who been molested or raped or, you know, has, you know, sexual abuse going on or a kid that's been part of the domestic violence and seen their mother killed or father killed or their mom beat up or dad beat up or you know like I I think that mindset of a child not being able to express their stress because they are children or too young is very stupid and very dangerous to society and it also shows how a lot of us including myself have been brought up I went through a lot of things as a child, and as I get older, a lot of my friends or people who know me, you know, and I tell them they can't believe it because I put on a really good face for it. Um, I was also a kid who who would get dismissed. I would, you know, go to my mom about stuff. Um, I don't think she dis- dismissed me to be rude or condescending or, you know, hateful. I just think for her she was just an old, you know, old fashioned way of thinking and unable to see anyone else's opinions or views through the lens of someone else other than hers. Like I would go tell my mom something and she would say, well, 
I did such and such and such and such and da, 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 da. you know everything became about her and it got to a point to where like I didn't feel that this lady had really did have my best interest at heart I think she had her best interest at heart for me instead of having my best interest you know um, like and then you know she would find out things later in life and she would say well why didn't you tell me and I would say like you know I don't I didn't think you would have cared the things I did tell you one nothing was done two you dismissed me three you made me feel stupid or low because I'm telling you this stuff and then you know then I walk away not only feeling disappointment with whatever I got going on now my mom thinks I'm a weak you know I'm weak or I'm you know making my issue bigger than what it really should be and that's not fair that is not fair to do that so I'm, I'm making this podcast to tell these parents if you are a parent or if you're looking after someone you're know, your your niece and nephews or your godchildren or something like that um stop your stop letting your thoughts of what you've been through dictate on how you should upbring and how you should uh give advice to someone you know, like one of my big issues that I had, um, I have many, but I don't want to disclose all, all those on my podcast. But one of my big issues I remember having was when I turned 17 years old um, and, you know, I went through so much trauma as a child to where I physically, well, mentally was not prepared to go to college because I was that person who went through so much stuff and so many things to where I didn't even realize how stressed or depressed I was. I just felt that that was part of life. Not knowing that, you know, you know, um, my inability to remember things or my lack of energy of wanting to study or any, like whenever I had any free time, I wanted, I wanted an outlet, whether it was playing video games or playing with my friends or just sleeping or watching TV. Like when I got home from school or when I was home by myself, my mom just went to work. I needed an outlet from the hell stress that I was in. But at the same time, I didn't even, in that time, I didn't even realize that I was even going through that until I got older. And I looked back at things and I thought to myself, you know, if this, if this was addressed or if that was addressed better, I wonder what type of person I would have become. Um, like I remember, like I said, I was 17 years old and I was going off to, uh, you know, I graduated high school. I had zero plans for anything after high school. Like, like life had been hell from from five up until 17 I went through 12 years of just hell and I didn't really know what I wanted to do all I want all I know is I felt like all I could do is just sleep all day every day and I would have been good with that with a little part-time job until I figured out what I wanted to do it was always pressure it was always so much pressure and I had so much pressure and, and, and I'm gonna say this too parents stop pressuring your child or your children and not knowing if they can handle it. When you throw all this pressure on your child and, you know, and stuff like this, this is going to traumatize you. So I'm turning 17 years old. My mom, you know, she says, well, because some of the, some of the, uh, her coworkers had children around my age and, you know, and her coworkers' children was, you know, getting accepted to this college and going here and going there. For me, I hadn't put in one scholar, you know, college application or anything like that and she was like well what do you have planned and I'm thinking 
well, if what I have planned is not reality, but if I can plan, I would uh, go back and redo the last 10 years and do it better because right now, all I want to do is sleep or just go away. I, I mean, I don't want any stress. I don't want to be studying. I don't want to be getting up, going to class. I don't want to do any homework. I don't want to do any projects. I don't want to deal with no presentations. I don't even want to be around people. Just leave me alone. Just leave me alone. Give me some time to figure this out because the stuff that, you know, that we went, you know, I went through as a child and, you know, up until my teenage years was just traumatizing. And, and then I had this lady here who just was so fixated in religion and thought religion was going to fix everything. And I'm sitting here, you know, trying to figure out things, all this stuff by myself and alone and, and not sharing stuff with anybody because I felt no one gave a damn. So I was just, so it, it was just a lot. So I remember telling mom, I don't know. So she says, well, all I know is by August, you better have a, a, a college to go to because if you don't, you're going to have to get out of my house. So I'm thinking, oh, shit. So if I don't go to college, you know, alone, you know, in August, then I'm, I'm going to get kicked out of the house. So that freaked me out. And, and of course, when, you know, at 17 years old, when your mom says she's going to kick you out of the house, that also means to me that she's probably not going to support me like at all or whatever like it's time to grow up and I get it I know you know it is what it is and although I had a part-time job but I just really did not want to be one of those people who had no plan for college at the moment working a job and then having to go and go to college as well I had trouble just getting through high school just doing just going to school in a day and doing a paper like I was lazy. I didn't. Like I didn't. I, I didn't find any enjoyment in, in, in that. Granted, granted, I'm a very smart guy. You know, I, I did go to college eventually. Never, I didn't graduate. But I'm, I'm not a dummy. But at that time, I did not know my strength enough to go off and do something so grand. I needed a little more time to figure thing out. And unfortunately for me, I didn't have a father in my life. Um, my father, you know, he's alive, but you know, he didn't. He he wasn't there for the upbringing. So like, there was no man to say, hey, look. He doesn't really know what he wants to do. Let's just let him get a full-time job. Let him figure out if he wants to go in the military or whatever it is he wants to do. We don't need this kid, you know, racking up all these student loans because you think he should go. You think he should go, but you haven't analyzed your son to see if he's ready or not. Did you see the grades that he had in high school? What makes you think that he was ready for college right now? See, my mom is not a logical thinker. She's a Pisces. I love her to death, but she does not think logically when it comes to other people she has she had she cannot do that it's not it's that part of her brain is missing um so unfortunately at that age i didn't know to say that because i didn't even know how to articulate my ideas to even come up with something like that to, you know all i know was i have a lot of pressure and now i have even more pressure on me and it's just stressful so uh so, um, so, you know, I get accepted into Newberry College or whatever. My mom's excited about it. I don't know anything about Newberry College. It was the first college that accepted me. Um, I did the FAFSA, you know, the financial aid. I got, like, you know, some kind of couple scholarships from them and, like, a Pell Grant and, and stuff like that. But there was still going to be a balance left for, for the tuition. So my financial aid officer was like, well, hey, do you want to sign up for a student loan? I was like, um, I don't know. 
So long story short, I talked to my mom about it and we signed up for student loans and I racked up like a first year, like $25,000 in student loans. Now y'all, this is something that wasn't even something I wanted to do. If I knew any better, like at 34 years old now, if I hadn't the mindset that I had have now, I would have told my mom, you know what, you're right. I'm just going to go ahead and move out, figure out what I'm going to do and figure out from there. Because there's no worse feeling in the world than to go to college, take out student loans, owe money for student loans on a degree that you didn't even not even get. I didn't even finish school and I'm still paying on student loans to this day. I was for I felt like I was forced into this. My mom did not listen to me. You know, she did not, you know, you know, you know, think to herself, well, you know, I'm forcing this kid to do what I want him to do and stuff like this. Granted, you know, college is great. I know not college, but college isn't for everybody at specific times in their lives. There's some people who don't go to college until their thirties or forties or fifties or sixties and finish. Some people have to mature for that or to get in life to where they want it. Um, you know, so I majored in business administration and I didn't, there was not one class that I liked. I struggled through most of the classes and I, I struggled not because I was part of learning. I just did not apply myself. I had zero enthusiasm about this um, college thing. The only thing I liked about college was being away from home and the food. The classes, I didn't care. I wasn't enthusiastic about anything of it. I just want, I mean, I didn't go to class a lot of times. Like, I signed up for early morning classes, not realizing that I'm not a morning class guy. I've been going, you know, you know, spent 12 years going to school, getting up to be to school at eight o'clock in the morning. That's because I had no choice. Now I have a choice. Morning classes for me was not it. I should have chose afternoon, evening classes because by that time, I can sleep through the day. I can get up and do what I gotta do, and then go to class in the morning. I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm slow in the mornings. You know, I'm very slow in the mornings. I'm on, I'm on no one's time frame but mine. If I get to wherever I'm going late, then I'm just late. I don't care. So that was my mindset. You know, unfortunately, it, it didn't work for me. And I didn't even know that about myself at that time. I didn't even know myself like that. I just thought getting morning classes and getting it out of the way was the best way to be so you can come back home and rest. No, 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 no. That didn't work for me. That didn't, that didn't work. So, yeah, I didn't enjoy any of the classes. I didn't enjoy anything about it. And I was stuck and forced into something that I felt made my mom happy or whatever. Um, and, it, and it was just unfortunate. So I always tell these parents or if you're looking after someone, don't force pe- these people to do stuff that you want them to do. Find out what they want to do first. And if you are some person who's being forced by a parent or something or a relative to do something you don't want to do with your life, you tell them, hey, look, when I go to bed at night, this is what I think about. When I fantasize about my life and what I want to do in the world, this is what I'm thinking about. Not what you're talking about, whether it's becoming an entrepreneur, going to law school, painting, cooking, designing clothes, being an architect, whatever it is you want to do, you focus, you take it from Shana Maud, someone who did not do this, you focus on what you want to do with your life, and you take it and run with it. And if your parents or relatives or whoever pressure you to do something opposite of, you know, then what you want to do, you let them have their moment where they're upset with you, but you prove them wrong, and you show them, one, I'm successful, two, I did it my way, 
Three, and I'm happy. Four, and I'm willing to share this life with you. Because I'm telling y'all also grudges, grudges, grudges are not good to hold. You don't live long and you don't and you're not gonna be attractive all, all the time. A grudge can make you very ugly in the face. Like it can make your appearance ugly. So so yeah, so parents stop stop this, you know, uh, dismissing your children. Like your children can be your, you can have a seven or eight year old who's saying, Hey mom, I'm really stressed out in school. Oh, you can't be stressed out, you don't have any bills. Or you don't you don't go to work every day and got a boss reaching down your throat your throat every day. No 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 no. That's not how it goes. Parent, you need to figure out why is your son stressed? Is your son being bullied? Is your son having a hard time seeing the board? Does your son need glasses? Does your son have a learning disability? You know? Is your son sick and can't focus? You know, is, is, you know, is the chair too hard? Figure out what the hell it is that your children are going through. Don't isolate your child because when you isolate your child, they're going to withhold so much from you that you would probably never find out. Or when you do find out, you're going to be hurt because they never came. They didn't feel comfortable enough with you to come to you and tell you this. And in turn, that means you're failing as a parent. Being a parent, you know, uh, uh, a parent doesn't mean just, you know, put a roof over someone's head, food in their mouth and clothes on their back. You have to facilitate this person. And I'm not saying give in to everything that your child wants, but sometimes you have to get down in the, in the psyche, get down in the head of your child, let them express what they want to do, where they're at. You know, don't just, just, just dismiss them. Like my mom would dismiss me, you know. I would come home stressed out or whatever, and blah, 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 and she would tell me that same thing. Like, you don't have any bills. How are you stressed? And all this kind of stuff. And no, you don't have nerves. How can somebody get on your nerves? Not knowing that I was stressed out all the time. Kids were stressing me out. I didn't really, you know, you know, teachers were stressing me out. Family members were stressing me out. Mother was stressing me out. She had her health problems and her stuff going on. Everything was just stressing me out and I just wanted to just get away. I'm shocked I never ran away. I don't know. Well, I guess I ran away to my room. I was a kid who kept his door closed a lot and um, just was was just fine getting away from all these people. So yeah, that just goes to say, don't, don't stop dismissing your children. Listen. Just listen. And I say listen. Listen. Ask questions. Think for them not for you because we have a lot of narcissistic parents out here who want kids to do and be what they want them to be and a lot of kids can't do that and that's why a lot of people fail a lot of people you know don't go to college or, or in remedial jobs not because they're dumb because they're, they're unmotivated no one was help, no one was there to help channel and guide their motivation so yeah and so the next my next topic of the day um that goes along with what I was saying, you know, I, you know, do something that you like or do something that you love often. If you're in a high pressure job, high pressure relationship or high pressure situationship, whatever that is, I challenge you on a regular basis, do something for yourself that you love. 
if you work, you know, 50, 60 hours a week and, you know, eating a scoop of ice cream is your thing you want to do a couple days out the week, I say do it. Or if you want to go fishing or you want to get your nails done or you just want to come home and binge watch on TV when you get the chance, I say do it. I say cut your phone off because in this society, we're always on our phone and stuff like this. I would say cut your phone completely off and you take time for yourself and if you're in a stressful, high pressure situation, job, whatever the case may be, start taking time for yourself. Where you know you can go to the gym, you can go shopping, or you don't even have to go shopping. You might not even have any money. I would say go clean yourself up, put on your best outfit, go to the mall, go walk, or go sightsee, go go look. Everybody don't have to know that you're broke at the moment. You know, or if you just want to just go down to the beach, just tell yourself, you know what? I've been wanting to go to the beach. There's really nothing holding me back other than me. I'm going to go to the beach this weekend. I'm going to get up early. I'm going to gas my car up and I'm going. I have no necessary uh, destination. I'm going to go park my car and I'm going to take my shoes off. and I'm going to walk in the sand. I'm going to enjoy the beach. Um, society is so stressful these days with, you know, with COVID, the pandemic, we have war going on. You have all this racial tension all over the place. Um, you all this, you know, political stuff that goes on and stuff like this. I just challenge everybody to do something that you like and enjoy. Um, and, and to do it regularly. Do it regularly. Um, me and this lady who I work with at my job, we, um, you know, our job is you know, a tough job, so we we like snacks. We bring each other snacks. Like, you know, I buy gummy bears and I share half of my bag of gummy bears with her. Someday she'll share her half. Um, it makes me get to, it helps me get to the shift better, you know? Um, sometimes I want an apple or I'll come home and I'll think to myself, oh my gosh, like, I'm going to eat this when I get home or I'm going to do this or, oh my God, my show comes on tonight, but I'm kind of tired or or I feel like I'm going to be scrolling on Instagram or something. No, nope. you go home. You do what you need to do. And if being with your children and playing blocks with them or coloring with them makes you happy, then do it. Or if it's to a point to where your work life is stressful, your home life is stressful, your family, your children, your husband, your wife get on your nerves, just say, just say, hey, look, you know what, guys? Um, I, I can't be here 100% of the time. I'm going to have to make the 100%, 90%, but that 10%, I'm going to have to take from me. And that means, yeah, I'm going to go grocery shopping and know none of y'all can come with me. I have a list. Give me a list of what you would like, but no, you can't come with me. I need my own time. I need my alone time. I want to get in my car. I want to listen to what I want to listen to. I don't want anyone asking me any questions, annoying me, or coming at me with their, you know, their negative energy if I'm feeling positive. Mom or dad, auntie, uncle, grandma, grandpa, brother, sister, cousin, whatever it is, where you want to be. Roommate, at this moment, I'm taking this time for myself because life is a little bit stressful and I'm so focused on the stress, I'm not focusing on things that don't stress me. And it could be something, something, something so minor until where, you know, it ain't even, you know, register on the Richter scale. You know, so I just challenge you know everybody. You know, like you know, people are you know so focused on these stressful things in life and stuff like this. I'd say focus on try to 
have moments where you just focus on something good, something that you like, whether it's reading, listening to music, singing, you know, talking on the phone with your favorite person in the world, you know, um, writing in your journal, writing down your thoughts. Um, if you want to write a book, you know, start doing research on how to, you know, get a publisher, how to publish your own book. Like, you know, take time, you know, make effort because majority of us, we are not entrepreneurs. Granted, I'm slowly becoming an entrepreneur, but I'm not an entrepreneur in, in, in the sense to where I can live off of it. But, you know, a lot of us work nine to five jobs and work for other people. And we spend so much time investing our time and energy into something for someone else. But we're not taking any of that time, any time or energy for ourselves. I challenge you to do it. So it is Monday. Uh, I work tonight. I'm off Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, and then I work like later this week, whatever. So my thing that I think I'm going to do other than going to the gym, I hate working out, but I like the way I look when I'm done. Um, so I have to force myself to it. But one thing that I'm going to do outside of um, working out is I think I'm going to call up one of my buddies and we're going to go to the park and um, hang out or something like that or go to like the music, not music, but the Frankie's Fun Park I met. And like, you know, just kind of go and just wild wild out at the arcade do bumper cars, do, you know, top golf, you know, one of those kind of things. Like, you know, hang out with friends. I think I'm going to set a day aside that I do that uh, for myself this week. And, you know, and try to catch up on a little bit of reading and meditating or whatever. What do you, what do you think you should do for yourself this week? Strictly for you. It's nothing wrong with being selfish sometimes. Especially when it, um, when it, um, you know, when it adds to your mental health because your mental health is very important your emotional health is very important so what are you going so what are you going to do with yourself this week you know if you don't know yet now you don't think about it and i challenge yourself i mean i challenge you do it do it once a week do it every other day you know um and stop confiding into emotionalists people stop you know telling all your problems to people who have no emotion or who dismiss your problems or um or you know make your problems you know you know like minor start shutting down from those kind of people those people come around they want to know what you're doing give them the very bare minimum give them the, the most basic you can give them and keep it moving and find other ways to channel that energy or to vent or, or whatever. I mean, sometimes just, just journaling is a good way to vent. Um, record yourself talking. I mean, I granted, I'm recording myself right now doing a podcast, but hell, you can record yourself talking. You can go sit in your car, go sit in your room and just talk. Talk, say how you feel about whatever it is going through your mind. You don't have to share this with a soul. Go back and listen to it. You know, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are the you know kind of the things that's been going through my mind lately. Um, I hope you know this has been you know somewhat helpful to you and gives you you know very positive uh, mindset and vibes to you um, if you're listening to this. 
But yeah, I gotta, you know, get off here. I need to go and get myself ready for work later. Ha ha ha. I'm so excited about that. Whoop de doop de doo. For anyone who doesn't know, I'm a, um, I'm a federal employee with the U.S. Postal Service. And I uh, work that job. People always ask me, oh, how do you like it? I, I think to myself, do I answer this with the fake answer or do I give the real answer? And for the most part, I give the real answer. I say the exact words. I say, I said, I'm collecting a paycheck. And people look at me like, what? I'm like, yeah, I'm collecting a paycheck. And if you've ever worked in the postal office or the po- for the U.S. Postal Service, if you go, if you go interview most of the people there, no one there enjoys it. It is nonstop work. Um, you know, Amazon and eBay, people ordering this, ordering that all these letters and stuff like that, it has to be processed and it has to be organized and, and um, you know, stuff like that. And, and it's, it's taxing. Um, the only thing I enjoy about my job, honestly, is when I'm leaving and the fact that I get to listen to my AirPods and podcasts and listen to music and stuff like that, no one gives me trouble. Other than that, there's zero I really enjoy about my job. It's a job. But yeah, that's the 30-minute mark, guys. I appreciate you guys for listening. I love you for listening. Thank you for that. Um, you guys have a great day. And, you know, I'll say, you know, put, you know, put in a lot of thought into what I said, you know. Um, stop letting people dismiss your feelings and stop dismissing other people's feelings. And do something good for yourself this week and do it regularly. Thank you, guys. Talk to you later. Bye.